Hey everybody, welcome back. This is Six Side Collabo. My name is Candice, Erica, Sarah, Nadine, and Crystal. And we're here to talk about early childhood indigenous education. We're here today with our special guest, Mallory Johns. <laughs> and Mallory's here to tell us a little bit about herself and her experience in the indigenous childcare. Okay, so pretty much again, my name is Mallory Johns. Um, my traditional name is Gunadukta. Um, I belong to the Mohawk Nation and Turtle Clan. And yeah, I'm a fourth year student at Sheridan. Um, my experience with working in Indigenous child care was, I thought, pretty... It was good, but I felt like the resources and materials and equipment could have been a little more up to date and a little more um, less gender stereotyped as well, because due to lack of resources, um, a lot of the materials and stuff have been hand-me-downs and donated from either community members as well, or whatever funding was left over, it just kind of got um, pushed towards um, whatever was left over for resources that could be um, purchased for later on to be used again, I guess. Now we were talking a little bit about funding before. Can you give them a little idea of what that looks like? Okay, so when it comes to funding, um, the federal government has a system when it comes to their funding and the indigenous people actually fall underneath um, immigrants so we're one of the last people that get um, filterized throughout the um, educational system when it comes to funding. Um, uh, so the funding gets processed through um, uh, well, on my reserve on Six Nations, it's called um, Six Nations Elected Council, which is also known as Band Council. And they are just like a miniature branch of the federal government that controls the funding and the profits that gets distributed, uh, distributed on the reserve. So a lot of things like medical, health, um, and again, education fall underneath those categories. So they're the ones that decide... Um, what money goes where. So the center I was working at, it was subsidized, but um, a lot of the funding that was brought through, again, was just the, just what was left over from the filterization. So that was really the bottom of So it was the, the bottom funding. of it. So, so Mallory, is there an example that you can give us um, about the types of funding or an example of the lack of funding that you've personally witnessed? Um, one of the examples I can give again is at um, Goanil, the elementary school on the reserve there. Um, they only get about, uh, I believe it was 6,000 per child that entered into mm -hmm. the school. And, and you were also making the connection yeah. to like French immersion. Yeah. The French immersion again, budget, which was yeah. like double that. Yeah, and that six thousand per schools. per child. Sorry, Candace, that six thousand dollars was that per calendar year or was it? Uh... Um, that I actually do not know. I just know it was actually just six thousand dollars per child. But again, when um you look at um, um like the French curriculum, like um I'm not too sure what the the French immersion French immersion program? yes yeah. their programs um they can receive up to fifteen thousand per child. Wow! Wow! wow.
So Mallory, have you taken a look at the new Indigenous Child Care Framework that was presented to us in 2018? Uh, yeah, I had actually just recently had looked it over actually in my social policy class in fourth year. They're going to have you guys <laughs> looking at that as well if you choose that topic. But um, yeah, again, funny how you had mentioned that, how they had only brought that out within um, 2018. But um, um, during like even my own research and even my own personal experience growing up, um, within the year of 1996, the same year they actually, the federal government had finally decided to close down the residential schools that they had um, put out there. That was actually the same year the federal government had finally agreed that the indigenous people should be obligated and have the control to educate and teach their own children and their own people, their own traditions, their own culture, and the way they want them to be taught. And um, that was 50 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, 1996. So that was only oh, 20, 20 some yeah. years ago. Yeah, that was yeah. only yeah about 20, 23 years, 23 years, ago. years 23 ago now. Years ago. Yeah, yep, yeah, the same year my sister was actually born. Wow. <laughs> yeah, we dodged that bullet. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I found that a little crazy how just within that one short time span of 1996, they had closed down the Catholic-run schools to finally allow the people to actually educate their own children. And again, even in further research, I had found um, just within 2004, it was actually the Ministry of Education themselves had finally even agreed themselves to take more into consideration and that they had agreed that they should actually look, just look into um, bettering indigenous education, not actually doing something about it, but agreeing that they should actually look into it more, not actually saying they're going to implement something, just saying that it's something they that, should look into that they should look into. Yeah. And again, like, just within 2018, that's all they've come out with yeah. was the indigenous early child care framework. And that's the only thing that they offered to us. And even then, when they had offered to it, it was actually the um, Indigenous Center in Sarnia, in Walpool. They were actually the first ones that had created their own Indigenous Child Care Center uh, about 50 years ago now. It was like their anniversary of the opening of their center. And they were the first ones to actually pretty much implement everything that's in that Indigenous mm -hmm. framework in there for the past 50 years now. Mm -hmm. And even with my child care center on my reserve, Six Nations Child Care Services, they, um, they have been open for, I believe, uh, 42 years now themselves just within my reserve that's literally in between Brentford, Caledonia, Hamilton. And they have been implementing that exact same framework and if not beyond within mm -hmm. their center themselves and not even just not even just early childhood education even within school age elementary age um Gawaneo, they've been open even probably about almost the same year as the um center themselves and they are an elementary school that is also recognized by the federal government and the ministry of education themselves and 
they have taken that curriculum above and beyond by actually creating a school age program in between the ages of kindergarten all the way up to actually high school with um, indigenous education. All of it still follows under, um, all of it still follows under like um, the educational standards that any school off reserve has to implement within their schools, but all of it is actually translated in the Mohawk and Cuba language. So you're still learning your language and culture and but you're still actually getting the education that you need, that you're required that to get. So now, do you think with this framework that came out that it's that it's even worth like following? Because if if indigenous people have been providing their children with their own kind of framework over the past years, do you think it's even worth following this new one that the government of Canada came out with in twenty eighteen? <laughs> Um, or should they have the, should they be provided the opportunity to just continue to teach the way that they feel is right mm, to me to me again like the document is something that should have been brought out years ago it is something that should have been considered even years ago to be honest the document to me right now kind of more or less sits as like again as its own self right now more or less as like a guideline mm-hmm. it's but it's almost like a guideline of something that we have already been practicing and mm-hmm. participating within our communities for years now and it's almost kind of like you're giving us something that we already know and that we're already doing so how is this helping us so does there need to be changes in the in the document? Do you think there needs to be an improvement? There needs to be, like... Um, well, when it comes to improvements of the document, um, the thing that I find that it lacks is, well, the fact that it only focuses on the three, three nations. Mm-hmm. Okay. And only for, it only focuses on the First Nations people, the Inuit, and the Métis people. Um, there are other nations, like Cree, Gunawage, Tyndanaga... Um, Aguasasne, Blackfoot, Lakota, there's so many more other nations that are their own culture, their own tradition, their own language, and their own values and ceremonies that they have as themselves that they are not considering in that framework. They they lack diversity when it comes to indigenous cultures and nations really because they're only focusing it on like the three I guess the three main ones that the government is educated on right or are are aware of yeah because a lot of a lot of people like they don't know about all those other those other nations so it's Mm -mm. and that goes back on lack of knowledge yeah all right thanks again Mallory Um, I think it's safe to say that uh, I feel like we've learned so much more in these past few minutes than we have in our whole years of school. So thank you so much again for offering your experience, (laughs) teaching us, educating us, and so that we can now, you know, we gain a newfound knowledge and carry that knowledge on to others. Again, this is Six Side Collabo. This is Erica. Candice. Sarah. Nadine. Mallory. (laughs) All right. Thank you.